Welcome back to the Republic of Arsenal. International football is done and dusted, thank God. We have three very, very happy Irish men here on the panel, and we've uh, a very happy as always, Souls, because Souls is always happy. Souls is always in good form, aren't you, Souls? Yeah, man. Life is all about <laughs> smiling through it, man. All the positives and all the negatives. That's it, 100%. Yeah, and as I said, look, there's there's three Irish men on the panel tonight. Uh, this might be the one and only thing we agree on tonight, that's that. It's a good thing that we don't have to watch Ireland play and we have the Premier League football back at the weekend. So I know I am excited. I, I couldn't take anymore. I don't like international football at the best of times. Don't get me wrong. I'll always support. I'll always watch Ireland. But my God, they break my heart. I thought Arsenal were bad. But yeah, that, that Irish team is something else altogether. So I am absolutely ecstatic, ecstatic to have the football back. So I have a brilliant panel here with me tonight. Uh, unfortunately, Farhan uh, was scheduled to be here, but uh, he, uh, a last-minute injury ruled him out. So uh, we, uh, we wish him all the best, and uh, we, we'll get him back fit and ready for the next show. But still, lads, a great, great panel here tonight. I will introduce him now. Just first of all, just want to say big thanks to everybody that I can see in the chats there. So please do get involved. Hit the like button, throw in comments for the lads, and uh, yeah, enjoy the show. So look... First of all, he's back again. Souls, we missed you last time, but you're back. <laughs> and there's a, sorry, the, the little one, uh, David Louise gay crashing there. <laughs> David Louise <has> turned up. <laughs> well, look, that's, that's that's the show destroyed already. Might as well just, just finish here. <laughs> no, Souls, Souls is back. So Souls, uh, yeah, you, you, we're going to need a big intro, you know, to, uh, to make up for that. No, 100%. Look, guys, you know, football's back. Arsenal's back, the Premier League's back. We can finally, finally get rid of AD Boothroyd and I can finally get myself out of the torture Southgate put us through. Absolute rubbish performances. We can at least get some entertainment from Klopp and Arteta. We might be shit. We might be going through the mud. But the one thing we can guarantee is some entertaining football. It's at the Emirates. And you know what that means? Goals galore. That's what you're going to find. It's not going to be a 1-1, one, 0-0. One, nil, nil. It's probably going to end up being a 10-9 or a 10-10. <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. You know, leaky defences, makeshift defence from Liverpool, makeshift from Arsenal. We don't even know who's going to play. You know, there could be last-minute injuries. There could be... But, you know, it's always going to be a goal fest. It's going to be an, a brilliant, brilliant game that's been rescheduled to 8 o'clock just so people can have their beers and get involved. Nil nil incoming. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Souls, as you said there, yeah, um, eight o'clock kickoff. And, and as I said to you, Souls, earlier, I was actually, um, I, I completely forgot, I completely <laughs> forgot that uh, the game had been rescheduled, the time had been changed. And I'm working on Saturday and I was thinking, oh, I'm not even going to get to see this and work at half six, eight o'clock kickoff. So I'm even more excited for it now. So uh, next of all, yeah, look. First of our, our two Irishmen, I'm going to bring Dave in. So, uh, yeah, again, as I always say, we have Irishmen on the panel. For all the uh, the non-Irish listeners, we do apologise. I will eventually figure out how to get subtitles on this channel for you, but you'll have to bear with us for the moment. So, Dave, Dave is back. So, thanks again, Dave, for coming along. Well, you know yourself, and I'm always, I, I, I love a bit of punishment. So, look, I'm back on again. Ho hopefully, now it'll be it'll be a better scenario on Saturday night, so we can we, we can do a review Sunday with a few happy Guinnesses. But uh, no, I'm delighted to be on, and it, it'll be a cracker, I'm sure, as always. 
Well, look, on the uh, the topic of Guinness, whether they're happy Guinnesses or, or sad ones, drowning me sorrows, either way, I'm going to be drinking Guinness. So uh, I don't need much of an excuse, but uh, I'll find one anyway. So, yeah, you, you can expect to see me with, with the point, no, no bothers. And, uh, yeah, we have a really special guest here tonight. And I want to say a big, big thanks to Niall for coming along. Niall, uh, the Liverpool fan in the house. And I know you're, you're feeling a little bit outnumbered right now, but... Uh, Look, we're uh, we're nice guys here, you know. So we we'll go easy, but I, I, I'm more worried. You you'll probably go a bit harder on us now than, than we'll go tonight. So uh, but yeah, look, big, big up to Noel and uh, thanks so much for coming along, Noel. Yeah, not a bother at all, lads. Thanks a million for having me on. A pleasure to come on as always. And uh, as Sol said, there goals galore as always, you know. So right now, I happily take a four three, you know, not a problem at all, you know. <laughs> 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 yeah, look, a 4-3 wouldn't be a bad scoreline at all, as long as it's 4-3 uh, to the home team. So, uh, yeah, look, it's going to be an 8 o'clock kickoff Saturday night, live from the Emirates Stadium. As I said, I'm absolutely ecstatic to have uh, have the Premier League back. And, yeah, you really do uh, appreciate the club football when you've had to endure a, a bit of uh, Ireland against Qatar and Luxembourg and the likes. So, I'm uh, I'm very very happy. But uh, look, first of all, before we get into the game, what I want to do is uh, I want to start with uh, with our guest Niall. Um, again, as I said, look, really do appreciate you coming on, and uh, yeah, look, I just want to get a, a bit a bit of your background, um, you know, about how you became a Liverpool fan and and uh, you know how long you're supporting the team and and that. God, if I, if I go back that far now, I'll be giving away my age. You know, I, I started following Liverpool in 1977. Um. But, um, you know, the facial creams throughout the years have been kind to me. Um, but, uh, yeah, and no, I started following them in 77, um, all the way right up to the present day. So, you know, I've gone through everything with them, all the ups and the downs and, the, you know, all the European Cup wins, all the league wins, FA Cup wins, obviously the tragedy of Hillsborough, um, obviously the tragedy of the 89 season with Michael Thomas. <laughs> um Back to the winning ways in 1990, and then I've I've spent many a year enduring United fans through their success. Um, but I always had, in fairness, now and, and and not to put this out there, I've I've always had a, a sort of a a shine for Arsenal, if you like. Like if people often ask me, like if I didn't follow Liverpool, I would probably follow Arsenal. I always admired the style of play. I was always envious of the style of play in the 90s and the 2000s of the way Arsenal went around the game. And the way Wenger brought in that sort of science to the game as well. And, you know, like to, to see the likes of Henri and stuff like that in full flow. And, you know, Petit and Vieira and Overmars and Perez and Bearcamp and all those guys. Like it was just, it was a magical time of football. And um, I, I, I worked with lads. I worked with Arsenal fans and I worked with United fans. And, you know, they, they, they used to give me dogs abuse because, you know, we were we were so barren through those years at times, you know. Um and then, you know, all the way up, obviously, to, you know, the, the, the miracle of Istanbul and then, you know, the, the European Cup that we shouldn't have won and then the European Cup that we didn't win and, you know, all that kind of thing, you know. But, uh, yeah, no, it was um, brilliant. Um, love being love big Liverpool fan, love it, but uh, do have a place in my heart for Arsenal, all right? Love it. Yeah, that, that's always uh, that's always we, nice we'll to hear. Keep him at... <laughs> we, yeah, we'll hang I, on I to find you. that, hang bro. To... I find that, guy, <laughs> even I think... From myself being an Arsenal fan, I never really minded Liverpool doing well. Myself and 
the friends and that, like ourselves and being Liverpool fans, you always kind of find yourselves rooting for each other and then just hoping United lose. Like, I suppose it's probably we're coming together in both wanting United to lose. That's what probably does that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think you've seen the chats already. There's already a lot of love for uh, for Niall. Um, I think we should just end the podcast here. Like I said, we'll just have a big hug and we'll just we say, look, we'll we'll, we'll share the point on uh, on Saturday. We'll have a nil all draw. <laughs> I know. No, I knew it's, it's, have a problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> There's one thing, yeah. The one thing I, I don't like yeah, is soft spot for other Premier League teams. If you if if Liverpool get relegated, then yeah, I'll have a soft spot for them. But as long as they're in the Premier League competing against us, I can't, I can't have a soft spot. Even Burnley, they, they're absolute dickheads to me as well. I don't like them. I don't like Sheffield either until they get relegated officially. You know, I don't like a Premier League team if they're Maybe. competing with Arsenal. That's just the way I am. Being Maybe from Manchester, I hate Liverpool yeah. even more. I hate the Manchester <laughs> lot even more because, you know, a lot of grief in my childhood from them. So yeah, <laughs> it could be an Irish thing, so maybe it could be, it could be. <laughs> absolutely. It, it's definitely not a souls thing. Um, yeah, we're a, lo- we're, no, we're a nice no. bunch. Yeah, but uh, yeah, just before we get into it, I, I have to throw it now. Look, sorry, Noel, this is it's it's slightly it's slightly a little dig because you, you did sort of plant the seed with, with Mickey Thomas, but uh, at the same time, look, do have to give uh, a shout out to Rocky Road Castle. You know, it was the anniversary there, it was passing so. We do just have to have just a, a little moment just of appreciation. But uh, at the same time, look, we, we're throwing a, a sly little dig there for uh, you know, <laughs> Mickey Thomas for his 89 heroics. <laughs> Sorry, no. I'll, I'll be nice what? from now on. I'll be nice. <laughs> what, 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 a, what a Liverpool player he was. <laughs> <laughs> what a man. But yeah, yeah. lads, look, so uh, introductions are done. As I said, look. Uh, we've uh, we've a nice few in the chat there, so don't forget to hit the like button. Do subscribe to the channel if you haven't already done so. And again, look, you see the guests there. You can see the ticker going down below. I have everyone's details there. So do you know subscribe to the guys' channels? Do follow them on Twitter. Send them messages. So uh, they are, and as you can see, yeah. Look, everyone's in agreement already. Noel's a hit, isn't he? Noel, you are a legend. You are a legend. And you know what? I just noticed in, in the background, right behind you, I can actually see uh, an Arsenal scarf there as well. So you're scoring bonus right. points already, Noel. You are scoring I, bonus I, points. I had to dust it down for the occasion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So, yeah, lads, look, we'll, uh, we'll get cracking away into it. Um, Souls, I'll start with yourself. Um, look, international break is over. I suppose, look, I, I just start off with a, a handy enough one. What way do you see the the whole international break playing out in terms of uh, you know team selections, fitness, and that? Are you expecting Arsenal? We've seen in the past we we tend not to be too good after our European adventures in the Europa League, and that. Are, are you expecting that coming into this game? I know Liverpool are, are also affected by the same issues, but what way are you expecting Arsenal to come into this? Are, are we going to be rejuvenated after missing out on a bit of Premier League football, or are you expecting us to be? Uh, a little bit uh, jet-lagged, as they'd say. To be honest with you, we're quite fortunate that some of our main players actually didn't even play international football. I know Martin Odegaard did. ESR and Saka are virtually ruled out for the game, but they would have been ruled out anyway, regardless of international breaks, um, because they were injured throughout it anyway. Um, and then when we kind of look into... Um, like like most the goalkeepers didn't play, most of the defenders didn't play, other than Taney... Uh, which is kind of the only one where I'm a bit concerned because he's 
one of the injury-prone players within the team. And obviously, like I said, Odegaard and Shaka pretty much play most of the minutes in international football. But then when we look at the attack, um, I mean, I think Aubameyang only played one game where he scored as well. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why I'm not I'm not too concerned because it's it's they play I, I, the best way to put it they played a healthy amount of minutes where they still have that match fitness and sharpness but they didn't over get overly played um the ones who should be worried are, are your cities because they seem to have heavily relied on city players um i think liverpool got off quite easy as well because a lot of their players didn't really get that many minutes um the only one being curtis jones in the last game uh, but then again it's healthy amount of minutes so I think I think this is going to be good because there's going to be no sort of rustiness that we usually expect from teams. So um, yeah, I, d- I don't I don't think there's too much of a concern in the fitness aspect of everything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Dave, what about yourself? What are you expecting? Uh, as you can see, I, I briefly threw up um, the list of players from both sides. Um, I, I'll get Niall's take as well, but. What are you expecting from Arsenal? Are you expecting us to come out of the the blocks, or are you expecting it to be a bit sluggish? You know, we've or we can be sluggish at the best of times without a, an international break. But as Sol said, you know, not every one of our our key players got an awful lot of minutes. No, that's it. Um, Chaka played two games. I think he got he didn't start the friendly last night for Switzerland, so he needed that rest. The most was probably Kieran Tierney, which would probably be the one that would worry you the most. They did bring him off with like 10 minutes to go last night, so that's probably a rest to Tierney, and that's all he would need. But look, as well as that, it's it's a chance for some players to pick up a bit of form as well. You know, Aubameyang was kind of, he was out of form and kind of looking completely off the boil. He got a goal with Gabon and then they qualified for the for the African Cup. Look, it's a chance for fellas to pick up form as well, but uh, I suppose we knew, as Sol said, we knew Saka was injured and uh, Smith Rowe was kind of the one that would have hit us, kind of the, we didn't expect um, him to be to be injured, you know, but this is obviously the thing with international football, you're, you're always going to come back with one or two, but look, um, from the list you showed, I, I think I picked only six or seven, there were six or seven that, that, that would have been there, so you'll probably see a bulk of a starting 11 from maybe the players that were at home in and on the training ground, you know, they they obviously would have been working on the game plan or whatever it might be. So, you might see maybe two or, two or three of the the lads that were on international duty, and then the others were probably starting around that. But look, um, everyone bar Smith Rose came back okay, so I suppose um, we, we can't complain too much. But um, yeah, look, Liverpool, as I say, I don't, I think Salah played. He played most of the minutes for Egypt as well, so they're probably in the same boat as well. So the the Saturday night as well, it gives a chance as well for players to come back as well, you know, from when they're when they're further away and that kind of thing. So no, I, I, we'll probably um, I suppose it'll take teams a, a, a while to get going, you know, the first fifteen twenty minutes, you kind of be just feeling each other out, and then I think it'll probably open up after that. <coughs> yeah, definitely. Um... Yeah, Noel. Looking at Liverpool's sort of already extensive um, injury list, like I'd say, maybe as a Liverpool fan, you'd probably be a little bit more concerned than than an Arsenal fan coming into it. Like, given uh, you, you can see there the the list of um, the list of players out on international duty, and look, you'd you'd obviously have been following a little bit closer. Um, did the Liverpool guys get a lot of minutes over the course of the international break? 
Yeah, I think I think most of them did anyway. Looking back at it, but but I often find that the, the problem for us is international break came at a real bad time for us because we were actually starting to stabilize ourselves at the back and we were showing a bit of form, and then the international break came upon us. Like we we two great results against Leipzig, we did you know we had a good result against Wolves, so we were we were starting to show a bit of form and a bit of resilience at the back that we haven't basically had all season, if you like. Um, so the last thing we wanted was an international break, but I, I sometimes find with these international breaks as well, um, you know, they tend to use them as an excuse as well. Like, I mean, these players aren't flying around, they're not staying in Premier Inns and they're not flying around on Ryanair flights back and forward around the world, you know what I mean? Like, these guys are cotton wool and they're looked after, you know what I mean? So it shouldn't really be an excuse, you know. I know they've put in a lot of minutes, but to be honest with you. I kind of prefer if they're putting in the minutes because it keeps their head, you know, it keeps their head focused in the game and stuff like that, that they're not just going off on a sort of, like a junket, if you like, you know. So, um, yeah, that, that that would be my feeling on it, you know. I, I, you know, as, as um, you know, it, it will take a, a few minutes to just kind of feel it out and get that flow again, you know. But you would expect, you know, some of the players there, like the likes of Trent and Nat Phillips and all, to be well up for it, you know what I mean? Trent will obviously have a point to prove, especially after being dropped out of the England squad and all, you know. He'll want to get out there and, you know, put on a performance and show Southgate that, you know, he's still the man who should be in his thinking and stuff like that, you know. So, um, looking forward to it, yeah. It should be... I, I don't see any issues, to be honest. N nothing that we haven't faced already in terms of our long injury list that we know about. Um, I think when Alden played well for Holland... Um, had a good performance. Um, you know, Salah obviously played well for Egypt and stuff like that, which you would expect. Um, Kato would be the only one that sort of um, worries me a little bit because, like, he's just, you know, he just has this whole injury sort of thing that goes on and stuff like that. So I haven't heard anything yet. As far as I know, they've all returned and everyone's okay. But we'll know more tomorrow, I presume, at the press conference. Yeah, that's it. Um, I, I did briefly see there's a there's a, a bit of a list there. Uh, like we know the players who aren't going to play: Joe Gomez, Henderson, Matip, and Van Dijk, which are are massive, massive losses. Um, Firmino, uh, Kelleher, we know he didn't play for Ireland, um, but look, that's that's not going to make much of a difference anyway. But it's it's more like I'm looking at Arsenal there: like Saka, Smith Rowe. Okay, forget about William, whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Saka, Smith Rowe, that, that could be huge. <laughs> That could be huge for us um but like you said um you know trent trent is definitely going to have a, a point to prove after being uh after being left out you know he definitely we have the the fire in his belly it could be a tale of the wing backs coming into this one like we know liverpool's strengths definitely the wing backs um i'm looking forward to souls i'm looking forward to this kieran tierney uh versus andy robertson especially with, with Kieran Tierney's form for Scotland the other night. What did he get? A, a, was it a hat-trick of assists? Assist? Yeah, yeah, three yeah. assists. From centre-back, don't forget. Mm. Key, From centre-back. Centre-back, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what what you make of that one? Um, Tierney versus Robertson the weekend. Who are you expecting to shine in that one? Um, the thing is, the thing is, right, obviously this is going to be one of those, those battles of, you know, decades to come because... You're never going to really... I think Liverpool fans are always going to say Robertson. You know, Arsenal fans are going to say Tierney. I think it's one of those where they're so neck on neck in terms of ability and just the way they both play. But I just I just love Tierney more. Um, I know I'm going to say that as an Arsenal fan. I, 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 and I understand that there's a bit of bias in me. But I just think if you put Tierney into Robertson's position, he'll do just as good or probably better in that team as well. So that's... And, and also don't forget, he's one of the Scotland's youngest captains um obviously 
should be Arsenal captain, to be fair, but I understand why he isn't because he hasn't been featuring uh, this season, obviously, with the, with the injuries. He's not really played much, so I can understand that aspect of things. Um, but I just think his drive, the way... Because we know without him, we ain't winning. Like, that's just the way that our season's gone. Without him, we... And I think we won, what, what is it, like 10% or 20% of our games without him, which is shocking because it's a wing-back. You never think, in like, growing up watching football, you never thought that wing-backs or full-backs would have this much influence within people's systems, but they have. Because the only systems that usually your wing-backs were key in were Barcelona, were, like, obviously, Abadal and Dani Alves. When I was growing up, that was the only team where... If fullbacks got injured, you'd be like, "Oh shit, there's something about to go down here." So, it's I don't the, the answer truthfully is on their day it could be either. Um, they're so neck on neck, and you have to. I'm I'm one of them. I try to keep it as leveled as I can, but I just feel like for me, I just prefer Tony. I think his his sort of overall game, in my opinion, is just slightly better. But you know. When I look at Robertson, you can't fault him. You know he's one of the key reasons why Liverpool even won the league, even won the Champions League in in terms of his consistency to help them. So it swings either way. One week you'll be saying Tierney, the other week you'll be saying Robertson. Look, they're brilliant, brilliant players. I just think Tierney offers more because he can play that centre back role. He's a bit more of a professional in that sense. Um, that's the only reason I'll tip it off because even even for Arsenal, he played centre back actually. Um, Coming to more in the Arteta reign, he played as a left-sided centre-back, and then um, Kalas and Akosaka would play ahead of him. So um, that's the only reason why I'd give it to Tierney, but it's not huge. I, I, if someone said Robertson, I wouldn't cry about it, and if someone said Tierney, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, you know, football, it's just, it's so hard. Yeah, look, it's one of those headaches that uh, if you're a manager, look, you wouldn't mind having either one of them in your team. Not at all. Like, if I was offered either one at left back, I'd, I'd be more than happy. And uh, what I like about Robertson as well is, again, we, we spoke about this time and time again. As Arsenal fans, we, we have this sort of um, this idea about uh, not everyone in the fan base, of course, but a lot of Arsenal fans have a bit of a snobby reputation. Um, you know, you, you offer them a guy, a Scottish guy, you know, playing for Hull City called Andy Robertson for what eight million, and we'd be going five, five million. It was yeah. five million. There you go, and and automatically the majority will be saying, ah, no, not good enough. You know, I ah, playing for Hull, and so I love. I mean, forget that. It was Jack Grealish, Max Arums, Buadia. There's, exactly. there's so many even modern day examples of how much we yeah for most of people. us for most of us you know you, you offer something like that and you know automatically it's not good enough and and look, the same kind of rule applies for Kieran Tierney look Kieran Tierney's come in and he's doing bits for Arsenal and when he first came in okay you had a portion were saying yeah I've watched this guy you know watch Celtic and all and yeah he looks he looks a really good uh, really good talent but then you always have the whole yeah, but that's the SPL. This is the Premier League. He's not gonna cut it there. So yeah, no, I, lo- I love uh, I love both players, and, and I love that they've uh, you know kind of put all that to bed as well. Uh, even uh, even Van Dijk. I mean, Van Dijk was uh, was up there at Celtic, came down to Southampton, and you, you just knew this guy was going to be absolutely unbelievable. So uh, look, those players are out there. They really, really are. But uh, yeah, Niall, I want to get your your thoughts um, basically on Liverpool's season. Um, this this season, as we know, is mad. It, it's it's a season like no other. With the 
you know, that one season ending almost going straight into another, uh, the lack of preseason, the COVID lockdown, all sorts going on. The injuries, the injuries for Liverpool have been crazy. Look, aside from the obvious, aside from the obvious, you know, where do you think this has gone wrong for Liverpool? You know, the season right off the back of, you know, waiting 30 years for a league title, and then this is the follow-up season. Obviously, this is not what you were expecting, but yeah, look, aside from all the obvious, the injuries and that, like, do, do you think... Do you think there's a, a bigger part to play in, in what's gone wrong or, or is it just simply um, the season that it is uh, and the injuries? Like, do you think, had you kept the, kept even Van Dijk in that fit, you know, would, be Liverpool, would Liverpool be be playing the way they are playing? I, I think um, the, the biggest problem for us, I mean, you know, aside from all those things you mentioned, is the fact that, you know, midfielders are not defenders. And that's a very simple fact of the matter, you know what I mean? And I was calling for months on the podcast, I was calling for the fact that Fabinho should be sitting in that role in front of the back four and to put him in the back four. And he's an exceptional player. And like, I mean, he didn't play bad in the back four, you know what I mean? But I just think we got so hung up on the injuries and obviously, you know, like not having fans. And I know every team didn't have fans, but not having fans for us is huge, like any other club, but like, you know, Anfield is a special place when there's fans there, you know. And then, you know, on the back of that, then you have this all these injuries coming through and then trying to settle the team down. And, you know, we lost real key players as well. We lost leaders, you know what I mean? And and the players that you would expect to step up struggled to step up. And then we were kind of getting little niggly injuries as well, where we lost Fabinho as well, who would be a big player for us. Um, you know, Andy Andy Robinson was trying to step up in some respects, very similar to the way Tierney stepped up at that time um, and really showed himself to be potential captain material in the future. Robbo was trying to do that as well, but I think it got on top of him at times and it became too much and it became overwhelming. And you're seeing a little bit of petulance coming into his game, you know, like kicking out of players and, you know, picking up stupid bookings and stuff like that. And it became a bit too much for him. But I think you're saying from, you know, from January there, you know, like once once we do bring in some sort of a settled back line, and sorry, not in January, but prior to the international break, and it settles in there with Fabinho back in his natural position, you know, you start to see a bit more sort of stability in the side and a little bit more confidence. Um, you know, our biggest problem in terms of attacking as well is we attack, we attack with those wing backs as well. And the problem we've had is, Mane and Salah have had to go wide at times as well. So when we sling balls into the box, it's only really Bobby Firmino who's in there because the other players weren't pushing forward to get on the end of stuff because they were always concerned about protecting the back, the back four and protecting that counter-attack and stuff like that. And then, of course, we went on a really bad run of home games and stuff like that, which absolutely shatters our confidence because like, for Liverpool, our home games are normally our bread and butter of our season. You know what I mean? So it was... Um, it was a bit disappointing that run that we were on, you know. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, you look at trying to blame things like COVID and injuries and no fans and lockdowns and all these kind of things. But the reality is when Liverpool plays the likes of, you know, Burnley or Fulham or Brighton or teams like that, the 11 players you put out there on the pitch at times just simply didn't show up and didn't represent the badge. And that's the simple fact of the matter. And what was put out on the pitch should be good enough to beat those teams. Um, so, like, no excuses, you know what I mean? It's it's not really a time for any excuses. We reflect on the season. 
you know, other things happened. Obviously, Alison's father tragically died, and obviously Jorgen lost his, his mother as well, and not being able to go to those funerals and grieve properly and pay your respects. So we we had a lot of stuff this season went against us, but you know, I think I think we'll bounce back next year. And and like for Liverpool fans out there listening tonight as well, our season isn't over yet. We're still in the Champions League. We've still a somewhat favourable draw there, although Real Madrid will be tough enough to get past. And in the league as well, I mean, if we got a result on Saturday and we were able to continue the form that we showed prior to the international break, there's still that slight chance we could make top four, pending on what Jorgen's plan is in terms of is he going to focus and go for the Champions League or is he going to still, you know, stay true to the league and try and chase that top four, you know I mean? For both teams, Arsenal and Liverpool, if you go on a run of three, four, five games, you know, you're seeing the way the league is at the moment. You can shoot up the league in no time. Look at what Spurs did. You know what I mean? So it's it's still all to play for, I think, in, in terms of those positions and in terms of Europe for us both. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, actually, like while you're on the the topic of Jurgen Klopp, um, it's something I did wanna I did wanna ask your opinion on. Um, like uh, I, I'm sure the lads, uh, Souls and Dave would would agree. Um, I think Jurgen Klopp is an unbelievable coach. Um, he, he's he's a guy that. When it was coming to the end of the Arsene Wenger era, he was a guy I looked at and I said, you know what, if I could pick a guy here and now, this would be the man, this would be the man I would put in, in charge of Arsenal. So I always liked Jurgen Klopp. I always liked what he was about, his ideas, and just his personality. I think his, uh, his, his personality is just unbelievable, the way he, he just gets involved, like with the, not just the club, it's like he's involved with the, with the city of Liverpool, you know, he's so invested in everything and it, he he's changed the the whole feeling and and the nearly like the the culture you know he's he's been absolutely brilliant but but at the same time he's integrated into everything that is Liverpool you know he's, he's unbelievable and I'm absolutely shocked I know it it's cooled down but I'm absolutely shocked that there was a, a section of the fan base that were were calling for him out and I know. The season hasn't gone as expected and you know you've touched on reasons as to why but were you ever in doubt at any stage of Jurgen Klopp being the man you know did, did you think maybe maybe uh maybe he's had his time and we we might want to start preparing for him you know moving on or or were you backing him all the way no, I was I was backing them all the way. <laughs> My only concern at the time was way back when, you know, we were sort of celebrating the draws against West Brom and stuff like that. You know what I mean? That's where my concern was. But I mean, you know, he's been absolutely outstanding for the club. I mean, I was 30 years waiting on a league win, you know what I mean? And then when we won it and we couldn't sell it, celebrate it properly and all and stuff like that, you know, I sat out back with a beer in tears. And like the, the weight of 30 years of being lifting off me, the weight of rival fans telling me, oh, you never won a premiership. And, you know, they're trying to fight back and say, listen, look at how many leagues we won just because there's a different badge on it now. Come on, cop on, you know, but they didn't want to listen to that. You know what I mean? But I, I was never in doubt on Jurgen Klopp on any stage. And anyone who's out there that's Klopp out is either clickbait or it's new fan base with new success that have been spoiled in the last three years. You know what I mean? Like, like when these fans come out and they say that, I go, do you realise what he had to do there? I mean, go back and look at his first team, his first squad that he inherited. I mean, it was absolutely shocking. And he had to rebuild as well. And he also had to change the culture and the mentality and the whole doubters to believers and stuff like that. And, 
you know, some of his coaches that he brought in as well. I mean, Pep Linders is outstanding there in the background with him as well. What a coach he is, you know. And then with the with the synergy there with Mike Edwards as well, um, in terms of scouting and buying players and stuff like that, they seem to be intertwined with a with a single purpose. I mean, Mike Edwards alone for the deals that he has done. I mean, you spoke about Robinson there and stuff like that. But at the same time of us buying Robinson, we sold Kevin Stewart for six million to them. You know what I mean? And like it's just Mike Edwards should be getting a statue as well at Anfield for some of those deals that he's pulled yeah. off. I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've I've never even heard of Stewart. I've never heard of yeah. him. So that was that'll probably tell you how good that deal was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But shall look at the deal, look at the deal he did for Solanke. I mean, the money he got for Solanke was just outrageous, you know what I mean? And 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 it's weird, he tends to do deals as well, where you know, we nearly get the whole deal up front, and then when we go out for other deals. He, he, he puts out the poor cap to get these payment plans and little clauses and stuff like that and all. He's just doing an outstanding job there. But there's, there's a single focus there at Liverpool now in terms of success. And, of course, success at your club comes in many different phases, you know. But, like, anyone suggesting for a minute that Klopp out or something like that is ridiculous. Klopp will leave on his own terms when he feels good and ready and maybe wants to take the German international job or do something different. But he's part of the fabric of Liverpool now, you know. He's done now what so many managers before him couldn't do, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, no, there was never any doubts in my mind. Yeah, no, no, just look, to I, add I, to that, I, I, just, I just think the whole new wave of, like, fans is disgusting because... Even even when I was growing up, look, I am part of that new age fans, and I'm 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 only 22, so obviously I've not seen a lot of the success that maybe a lot of people have seen. Even the Invincibles, just a blur to me, uh, until I watched it again. And um, to be completely honest, I was just gassed that we did something. I didn't even know what it was up until like a few years later when I actually understood. Oh shit, we went unbeaten. That's fucking great. At the time, I was just happy that we won a league title, and then. Like Niall said, like, you know, uh, the Liverpool fans want to crop out. I don't get it. Like, look at the context behind everything that's happened. You've had, what is it, 17 injuries the man's had to deal with, with a board who haven't got him anything, that didn't back him when he needed a centre-back. Even when they did, they got him Kabak and um, Ben Davies, who are unproven, and he's having to coach them whilst the season is going on. Like, Come on, guys, man, have a bit of context behind it. And this is what I'm saying. And then we've got the Arsenal fan base who are similar, who aren't willing to give anyone time. They they think they think success is built overnight for some reason because they played football manager and they've done it overnight. It's not the same because you play FIFA, you know, you play FIFA career mode and you put flipping, you know, financial takeover. That's not how football works. There's a lot more to it. You've got to structure these deals, right? You've got to ensure that it's good for all parties, not just yourself. Obviously, you want yourself to benefit. But if they're not agreeing to it and they want like £100 million for a £20 million player, you're not going to just do it because this is real money, a monopoly. And that's, that, that's what frustrates me. And what now said is absolutely bang on. You know, you have to understand, right, there's deeper levels to a lot of football that goes on. And wanting Klopp out, I'm, I'm sorry, it's all clickbait. It is because the man won you firstly at Champions League. City are yet to do that. Pep Guardiola's yet to do that. He's then in the even in that you know in in them seasons as well. He was neck on neck with City. It wasn't like oh yeah you got absolutely blown out of the league and everything else. You were neck on neck. It was what was it ninety eight points to that hundred and one points or something like. How does that happen? Firstly, you've got ninety something points and yet didn't win the league title. 
Tell me when that's ever happened. And then the following season, they go and blow it out. Yes, there's COVID and there's a lot of other things, but you did. You blew it out. You won it by like 20 points or something. And then the following season, you've got Van Dyke freak accident, you know, ACL. Then you've got uh, Joe Gomez was in and out and then fully injured for like most of the season. Then Matip was out. Henderson's been out. Fabinho's been out. You know, you've had Trent that was out for a little bit. He picked up a knock. Half your flipping core of your team is out. And then you're thinking that Jürgen, for some miraculous reason, is supposed to get you a league title again. Like, I don't get it and I don't like it because I feel like it's such a narrow thinking. Even if you go out there and bring the manager in, who are you going to bring that's at a Klopp level? Klopp is an elite, elite. One of, he's going to go down as one of the greatest managers in world football, let alone one of the best of his time. You know, who are you going to go out and replicate that? Because whoever comes in is going to need another three years, maybe four years to kind of rebuild or wait until these players come back. You're not guaranteed Van Dijk's going to come back the same player. So they may need to actually sell him or move him on and bring someone else in. So whoever comes in has still got a task on their hands again, again, rebuild the club because every manager you change aren't going to follow the same philosophies. So you've got, I don't understand. I don't get it. I think someone, if someone can explain it to me, I, I would love to know. Yeah, well, you yeah. see, a, a lot of a lot of, a lot of it is nonsense talk. Because if you think about it, like I mean, when you hear these guys going clop out, that's all well and good. But go and ask them, right? Who do you want in? And they can't give you an answer. They'll never tell you who they want in. They'll always just tell you who they want out. You know what I mean? So it just it just never makes any sense with them. But it's part of this um, thing. Controversy sells nowadays. Let's. It yeah. does not like if I I I'm a Liverpool fan and I go, clop is the right man for the job. Well, I'll, I'll get a few likes and a few hits here and there. But then if I go, no, I want rid of clap now, get him out. That's going to get all the attention. Let's be honest. So that's why they're doing this. Like, and then as Niall says, ask them then who do they want in instead. Who's the only manager that Guardiola? He's probably the only man that I would say could actually potentially come in and replace clap. So it's nonsense. It's all of this. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, as you said, clickbait and that. But... Yeah, the, there are uh, there, there are funny sections of uh, of every fan base out there, and look, it's not dissimilar to to what we're going through with uh, Mikel Arteta. Um, and I looked at the the Liverpool model um, as sort of, I guess, a way of I'm, I'm not going to say buying time for my own self with regard Arteta because I'm always I'm always willing to give a guy time. I'm always willing to look outside the box, look at the bigger picture because. There's a lot more to you know football coaching and management than what you just see on a Saturday on the pitch. Like uh, Noel, as you said, like clever recruitment, um, you know, wheeling dealing, you're, you're picking up bargains. The likes of uh, the likes of Robertson and that, and this is where Arsenal have really fallen flat on their face the last couple of years. We've we've been pretty stupid in a lot of our deals. Um, even like you said, you know, your guy in the background is. He's uh, he's cutting these deals where you know you're paying in installments and okay we went and did that but then we 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 contributed a uh, 72 million you know worth on uh, a guy like Pepe who look has plenty of ability plenty of ability but he's never going to justify 72 million so yeah th there's definitely an awful lot to it um, but yeah Dave um, the Liverpool model um, what you reckon something that Arsenal should definitely be looking at um, like look what did it take Klopp sort of four seasons to sort of gel his his team together 
this uh, in my belief, um, would you agree in, in my belief that you know this further justifies why we should be giving Arteta the time? You know, if you if you look at the Liverpool model. Yeah, I think that's what we're trying to do as well, you know, is that's kind of obvious the talk is we'll follow what Liverpool are doing or that, but when you look at it and Liverpool, I think it was the year Liverpool did win the Champions League, they lost the league with having by a pint and 97 pints, like any other year that wins you the league, it was just an insane year, so even at that, that, that year was for a success in winning the Champions League, but even from a Premier League point of view, what more can you do? You you, you can't do anymore. Um so then they followed that up, they kept going, and then they they recruited what they needed, they continued to build to the team, and then they went, went on and won the league. Look, they got knocked out in the Champions League, but anyone could go out to Atletico Madrid, you know, so I wouldn't look at that as, I suppose, a disappointment as well. But, yeah, look, you, you need to, what I'd be a big fan of is actually looking at players inside the Premier League. That's what Liverpool did. They picked in the Premier League, they were like, these players are ready to come in and do a job. I don't know, like, I, I wouldn't see it, obviously, from a Liverpool side of things, but I'd find if, if Arsenal went to and put in a bid for Sadio Mane at that time, there'd be uproar online because there's some sort, form of a snobbery against players in the Premier League that a player from Southampton, he couldn't do a job. Like you said with Robertson, a player for Hull, how is he going to do a job? Why are we signing him, you know? I suppose there's probably a little bit of equity tyranny as well. You need, I think with Arsenal, it's always, oh, let's get this flashy player from Spain or from France or they are better players, we'll go, we'll spend on them. You look closer to home and I think that's, I suppose, something that maybe now with the new regime that's there, that's something that they want to look at as well as I put out a, a tweet at the end of last season after watching um Heiberg for Spurs going he's 15 million he'd be a, he'd be a brilliant squad player and I got slated saying oh no he's not good enough why would we sign him and he's had a good season with Spurs but you need these players as well you know you can't you can't sign Thomas Partey every single time you know there's players there that you build a squad off like Liverpool did look they got in James Milner at the time they've Robertson in there then they brought in Matip on a free he turned out to be a success you know you bring in players you you kind of be shrewd on what you need to do where you can build your squad and then you then you can go and spend the money. You can spend the money on Allison and Van Dyke then at that stage because you have the groundwork done everywhere else. I suppose with Liverpool as well is they had the benefit of selling Coutinho. We I think we probably need we probably need a player maybe that you could do that with as well. But the only player that we have with that is Saka and I don't think there's any Arsenal fan in the world that would sell Saka for anything under 150 million. I think he's just I he's too, for any money. No, he's too valuable. He's too valuable. So we we probably have to find that elsewhere. So maybe if you look if you look elsewhere down the line and even look at he doesn't have to sell for over 100 million. No, if you get 60 or 70 million for that player, you can invest it in two good players and then once you've your scouting and that done right. But I suppose that's really what Liverpool did is they 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 looked around the Premier League and even went down to the Championship and. and they said, who's going to fit the style? Who's going to come in and make an impact? Who's going to need time to settle and who isn't? And that's what they did. They went from there. They, they signed Salah. I remember watching Salah that year before for Roma against Real Madrid. I was thinking, good player, but he, he can't score. He just, for whatever reason, he couldn't seem to score. And then he came to the Premier League and he's just banging in goals left, right and centre. It was crazy. I couldn't figure it out. I was kind of like, is this the same player that we've seen at at Roma, you know, it just seemed to click as well. They they have players as well then at 
will come in and do a job, you know. With, with Klopp as well, he took the egos from players. They kind of all built into one system, you know. Like, you look over Firmino, I know, look, he does get slated and he will get highlighted more this season because of, we'll say, the struggles of Liverpool going, oh, he needs to be scoring or whatever. But back, go, go back through the time of Liverpool's success last year, the year before, like the job Firmino was doing is he's allowing everyone else to play, you know. So you kind of have to, you, you have to get players that, aren't going to come with an ego and they're willing to play your system you know and go from there so i think that's what we need to be doing in the summer is see can you do business in the premier league i like some players in the premier league we're calling out for basuma and lampy even sanderberg from sheffield united just little pieces like that you know players that can go on and take you on that that next level and go from there but i think hopefully the board aren't as snobby as the fan base that's all i'll say there yeah, well, look, um, kind of, I guess, going off of that, with, with regard to um, Kyle Saka and, you know, being a, a potential valuable sale, I'm going to throw this one to you, Souls, because uh, <laughs> I know, I know this, is, this, is your, this is your boy and we all love Saka, right? But look at, look at, again, the Liverpool model, okay? Liverpool had Fernando Torres and they got an offer they couldn't say no to and they, they sold him to Chelsea and they replaced him smart recruitment okay look andy carroll didn't work but they brought in luis suarez okay, luis suarez i don't think you could argue he was a bad replacement and now we had the coutinho you know coutinho was sold and i'm sure at the time there was uproar in liverpool fan base but you know look what they've done with that money if if let's say for example uh, I, I don't know a psg or something came in the morning 130 million for bakayo saka do you keep a guy like Bakayo Saka as a, a star player in an average team, or do you just have to bite the bullet and sell your star asset to be able to upgrade the the core of your side? You know, what, I know, I know it's a tough one, but but what do you do? Like here, here we are. You know, Aubameyang off a season like last season, we probably could have got a couple of quid somewhere had we had we really pushed it. But what did we do? We gave him a new long term deal, and look at him this season. You know, Arsene Wenger became famous uh, for a period of time i remember there was a no not in the latter days but kind of in the early days when people sort of said you're buying a world-class player off of arsene wenger and he's way past his best you know it, it got to a stage where you said you don't buy a player from arsene wenger because he's got everything he needs to get out of him there's a reason why he's selling them to you you know maybe do we have to be a bit more clever and if a bid came in for these guys like bakayo saka for the good of the the core of the squad do we have to start selling these guys? I mean, last time I checked, Arsenal's worth only £2 billion. So if someone's willing to put the money down for Saka for that amount, I'd, I'd sell it there because that is who he is. He is this club. You know, it's Saka FC right now. The thing is, right, look, Saka is the future. And you need play. What we need to be doing is getting rid of these deadwood players and not the players who are actually making this club any good. Coutinho, unfortunately, as harsh as it's going to sound, wasn't making that club. It was just staling the club. He wasn't going to move them forward, nor was he going to move them back. He was going to keep them where they were. £150 million for a player like that is brilliant to take. It's like, for example, if we... The best way to put it is... I don't even know because we don't really have a player like that. But it's like someone who's just going to keep you where you are but not really move you forward because Coutinho was there for many years even before that. They knew if they got him for £150 million, they only needed to go and spend it on two players which they already identified in Alisson and Van Dijk. They knew where that money was going straight away. They knew the prices they had to put down for it. 
And that's the problem. Arsenal never going to do that. £130 million for a guy who's actually going to be a future star, hell no. That's like if asking, you know, Niall, would you sell Curtis Jones, who in my opinion is fan-fucking-tastic. He is going to be trouble. A midfielder who can score a goal, a deep-lying, let me say, midfielder who can actually score goals and create goals is valuable because you don't see that. And at his age, even looking at him, the slight amount that he played even in the under 21 was phenomenal. What's it like four goals and six assists this season or something? He's been fantastic. And that's like asking Liverpool fans, would you sell him just to better for the club? No, because he is the club. If you want to move forward, you keep your best players, not sell them. As much as I'd like, I know 130, 150 million pounds to improve the squad is good. But guess what? We've now just lost a player. We absolutely need to go and spend 150 million pounds to replace. Why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense to me because we've not got good better than Saka. Saka is the best player at Arsenal right now. Better than Taney, better than Aubameyang, better than Party because he's the reason why we are where we are. And then what you do? We've got we've got ESR. We've got we've got Balogun, Martinelli, who we can keep. Then what you do is you build where you don't need. You can sell the likes of Pepe, even if you get 30, 40 million, cut your losses, because even that's going to get you decent players in. Then you've got Xhaka, who can go for 20, 30 million pounds. You can get a, a Basuma or an Anguisa or Sandra Berg. You know, there's there's players who are probably going to cost you less than that. So you get get replacements for that. Then you've got the likes of Bellerin, who's been reported for 20, 30 million pounds as well, who it's the right back options we're looking for, probably going to cost about that much. We don't need to be selling our best players. The problem that we have is we want to hoard these players who have done fuck all for the club for some bizarre reason because they've got a name behind them. Because it's Bellerin, he's Spanish, fucking hell. He's fucking amazing because he's from Spain. He played for Barcelona. Did you understand? They played for Barcelona. That's all they look at. They don't really look at what's happening on the pitch. They look at the likes of if we, if you know I swear if we turn Saka to Sakadino or something yeah we would never we, you know the, the, we wouldn't even be asking the questions and that's where the problem comes it's like ESR as well would you sell him if you, no because he's the future it's like Martin Odegaard's come in and done wonders that's why we want to buy him that's what you've got to do keep your best players and build around them Saka at the age of what is he like 18 19 is arguably one of the best players in the league in definitely one of the best teenagers in the league why are you going to sell that when he can give you 10 years he's he's hailing he's arsenal through and through you know for a fact the man's going to give you 110 120 percent with no ego whatsoever he ain't never going to cause arsenal a problem that's what you don't sell what you do sell is players like your and Kethys who aren't good enough, who can get you a decent amount of money in. You sell your likes of, you know, Aubameyang, just your Lacazette, your, your, you know, your Pepe's. And that's what you do. You don't outcast players who make the club what it is. You have to keep the culture of Arsenal there as well. And and that's why I could, I, I personally, unless he was shit, unless he turned into absolute garbage, then yeah, you cut your losses. But, I don't see that happening. I just see it up and up. He can play left back, right back, cam, centre mid, anywhere on the pitch. Put him, and he can, and he does a fantastic job. So no, unless I wanted to pay two billion pounds, I ain't selling him. That's fair. That's fair. No, look, I I, I do love Saka myself, and uh, and I can, I can definitely, uh, I can definitely justify having him uh, for the long term. Uh, just well, the question I would say, and is just sorry now to cut across and, and yeah, yeah, take no, over. I was, was going to go with you anyway, so yeah, work away. 
for example, like not saying I would know, but just going to throw out something hypothetical here, and and mm. Niall and even himself can answer, and and yeah, so yeah. as well. If you were to sell Saka, and and you'd say right, you'd sell Saka, but you can you you can get maybe Hossam Awar from Leon, and we'll say like a Serge Gnabry from Bayern Munich. You can get the two of them in if you sell Saka. What would you say to that? Well, what I what I was going to say to you, Dave, was right. Let's say, for example. You, look, look what Liverpool did. You sell this one key player to bring in, you know, a, a handful of of very very good players who who can become key in their position. So let's say, look, Arsenal. We know we're but looking you know, at the right back position. People have Coutinho. To be honest, was just being put in, forced into the system. He actually didn't make that system any better. That's that's yeah. I know, but look, we we know we know how valuable like Saka is, but it, it's because of his value to Arsenal is why we could potentially command the fee like this. But look, if, if, I guess like like Dave said, hypothetically speaking, okay, you sell Saka in the mall for whatever, 130, 150 million. You've got a 72 million pound Nicola Pepe who should be capable of doing a job for you on the right-hand side. Does a guy like that become even better on, on the right-hand side if you bring in with that money a better right-back to play behind them, a better centre midfielder partner for Thomas Partey, and a better striker for him to feed the ball to, you know. So the, this is my thinking. Like I am more than happy for Bukayo Saka, uh, given the way he has, you know, started his Arsenal career to to continue to continue as he is, and, and I would love to hold on to him. But I do think you have to get to a stage where maybe if a, if an offer came in and and you sort of say, like. My feeling would be, yeah, hang on to this kid and he's, like I said, doing absolute bits in the Premier League. But what does it matter if the rest of the team isn't good enough to elevate that kid onto success, you know, in the long term? Yeah. Sometimes you have to, you've got to sacrifice someone to, like, like Niall. Niall might be the best man. Niall would be the best man because I'm sure. he's sitting from the outside. Yeah, I'm I'm sure, like, you you had this in your head when when you looked at Coutinho. Yeah, I think I think the biggest problem, like at the core of the problem, really is if you did sell Saka and you sold him for say hypothetically 150 million, the the issue that you're going to have is are you confident enough that the board is just going to hand that 150 million to Arteta to spend to like you know improve the team and the squad? And I don't know whether that confidence is there. Like literally when we but sold the team, you hypothetically say they do. Let's just say they do. Let's say that yeah. money is available for transfers. Yeah, I think yeah, but I think the problem that you have there then is like if you're not going to sell your prize asset to improve your squad somewhat across the board and bring it up a level. I mean, how do you bridge that gap then? That's that's the problem because as you said, if you go and you sell the deadwood, the deadwood is probably not going to generate sufficient funds to bridge that gap. And even if you do sell the deadwood, like suppose you move Bellerin on for thirty million for argument's sake. You know how much of that thirty million even is Arteta going to see? You know what I mean, and that's that's the key thing, and that's what you've constantly seen at Arsenal over the years. You know, you potentially move on a really really good player, but the funds are never transmitted back down into improving the team and the squad. And there's always been like I mean, Liverpool suffered with it for years, where when we were in the transfer market, we were always hovering around the third or the fourth or the fifth choice player. We never took that hundred and forty million and said, right, we want Allison because we believe he's the best keeper in the world. We want Van Dijk because we believe he's the best center back in the world i mean you know like how many times did we buy players like paul koncheski and stuff like that and all you know and you know joe cole towards the end of his career and all that kind of thing you know what i mean and it just doesn't add up you know what i mean but i think 
I think personally from the outside, I think if you do want to bridge that gap and you do want to get into that sort of top four competition stuff again um, and being competitive, sometimes you do have to take a player like Saka and move him on um, and, you know, reinvest those funds and get in maybe three or four top class players, maybe with that money, maybe three at 50 million a piece or something like that. Just and, and figure out where you need those players, you know? Um, but yeah, it is a risk because you, you know, I mean, as Sol said, I mean, you risk tearing the culture out of your club and stuff like that, which is a big part of Arsenal football club. Um, so that would, that would really be the concern, but then, you know, what are you going to do if you sell Bellerin for 30 million? You're going out into the market to spend 30 million on a player, you know. Like, what, what do you get for 30 million these days? Nothing, nothing, unless you have a real good scouting system like what we did with Robbo and stuff like that. No, but look, yes. look, a deal, a deal like a Robertson deal is, you know, sometimes they're a once in a lifetime kind of thing, you know what I mean? They, mm -hmm. you know, most clubs don't really do that, you know what I mean? It doesn't generally happen. Um, so that would be my concern, you know. and um, I, I don't know from my point of view. I think if you're offered really, really good money, I think it's hard to turn it down. Um, yeah. but so long as so long as Arteta is involved in the decision making yeah. and he's the man that decides if he's the final yes or no on it, and the funds are being guaranteed to him to say, Right, now it's turn your turn, the funds are there 200 million, 250 million, whatever it is in total, go out there and now build your team. Yeah. Then you know, you could benefit from that. But I think he would be a big loss. I mean, he's a fantastic player with huge potential. And and the thing about it is probably to maximize his his um uh, fee, you probably need to give him another two or three years to mature and become a real top world-class player. And now is not the time to be selling your key assets either with all the prices dampened down because of COVID and everything, you know? So Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think, you know, from a personal point of view, one of my biggest issues would be um, with, like, with, with, with regard selling a, an asset like that. If I had faith in the board to reinvest that money in a in a clever way, um, then I'd say, yeah, hundred percent. Because if you look at our track record, you know, we brought in this player for X amount. Okay, look, look at the only one I can think of uh, in recent years that looks you can't even say he's been a success because he hasn't had enough minutes on the pitch and he's had injuries and that but if martinelli works out you look at that and say six million what an absolute steal we just don't have enough of them to make me confident that should we receive a fee of 130 150 million we're gonna go out and we're gonna find adequate replacements and and really maximize them all like I'm looking at that going, yeah, we get 130 or 150 million. What are we going to do? Buy another Pepe? So that's 70 million gone straight away that wasn't wisely invested, you know? So I think that for me would be one of the biggest concerns. You need to have confidence that the money is going to be spent correctly. Um, I don't have that faith in Arsenal at the moment. I think the the setup, um, and again, we, we've gone into this many, many times, but I just think the, the background setup is all wrong at the moment. It definitely needs a lot of change, and it's it's going to take a few seasons. And the only thing is, we we're starting to implement bits and pieces. We're starting to put things in place. You know, we've Edu there. We still need maybe someone like an Overmars uh, or somebody, someone to help out. But if you get a guy like that in now in the summer, which which I hope we do, yeah, look, he could be two three years really finding his feet in the job as well. You know, so maybe we'd be we'd be better placed at that stage you know saka or, or someone like that you know there could be a, a complete new kid on the scene at that stage 
but even Saka be about what like maybe 23 ish then so maybe then you could be looking at something like that but yeah no souls i i do completely understand your point of view yeah. also it, you don't want to be selling your your assets just uh as i said sometimes um i guess if you look at if you look at arson wenger um I, I know the assembled mentioned nicholas and elka and at the time i think we signed him for 500 grand and sold him for 23 million and we were able to reinvest you know we brought in thierry Henry, and you know the rest is history so sometimes it does have a knock-on effect you know it absolutely breaks your heart to see these guys go um especially with Kyosaka, you know a guy who embodies everything arsenal a hail end graduate as you said you never want to see these guys go you want to see the likes of himself and smith row come through the ranks no, no, and... no. it's not it's not about youth players it's about youth players who actually have a bigger ceiling than anyone will bring in that's the problem. Who are we gonna? Who we want? You said someone said Serge Gnabry. I, I mean, I'm sorry, but his ceiling's been meet, met at Bayern Munich. We know how good he's gonna be. Yes, he's phenomenal, but Saka can become better. This is this is kind of where I come from. It's like we've not seen the best of Saka yet. Saka is still a developing player who can actually become to be one of the the world beaters in the Premier League, and that's kind of where my problem is at this age, where he's actually not even at the pow- peak of his powers. Is our best player, the only reason we're even... It sounds shocking, but we're 10th because of him. We're not in a relegation battle because of him. And that's the thing. Like, if you think about him not being in that team, we, we can see a big difference. The assist, we wouldn't be through against Benfica. We'd be out of the Europa League if it wasn't for him. Even in his quietest days, he, he puts an assist through. He can get a goal. He's adding goals to his game. Yes, his finishing still needs working on. But... For me, it's like, all right, you get 150 million pounds, but let's be real. People who are adequately replaceable are your Haaland, your Mbappes, your sort of players who are going to reach that 90 million pound mark. That's the problem. And it's not about clever recruitment. It's going to be too many players to be bought in to do that one man's job. First, he's a squad player. He's very good at it. You put him in the defensive lines or up top. He's very, very good at that. His versatility. It's not like some players who, oh, yeah, they do a job here and there. No, he does a very good job here and there. And then when you add the likes, because the problem that I have, right, is that we've got Martinelli as well. We don't need to be selling these youngsters to bring in adequate replacements. We sell those deadwoods. We will generate enough of an income to bring people into that starting eleven. Then all we need to do is look at the squad. Like Liverpool's issue right now is they have a starting eleven, but they have maybe like maybe two or three players beyond that who can come in and replace those players. But once they're also gone, they're kind of screwed like we've seen this season. So for me, it's like it's like it's like asking now, would you sell Mani and Salah if it meant that more players could come in? You probably wouldn't because your system would completely collapse. And that's the problem. Arteta's system does rely on Saka your likes of Martinelli, your ESRs, being who they are. The only problem that we've had, and the reason why we're questioning this squad, is because of the form of Aubameyang, because Partey's been injured, and unfortunately, Taney's been out half the season. If those players played more games, and we had ESR fit from the start of the season, and we bought a number 10 in, we wouldn't even be questioning whether this squad needed to sell someone to bring them in. We'd be looking at Awabi like, now we don't really need him, because we've got Odegaard in now. We've got the likes of ESR in, fully fit. And that's where your problem is. It's like, yes, proper recruitment is needed, but £150 million ain't going to get you shit in this market. Because if Saka's going for that amount, imagine what other players who you have to bring in are going to be coming in for. 
But again, look, I, I don't want to dwell too much on it because we, we've given it a fair bit. But look, I, I do think it's it's kind of an interesting topic and it, it sort of applies because, like I said, Liverpool kind of you know set the example for us. Um, well, yeah, look, as I said, I, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. As I said, I, I'm a massive, massive Bukayo Saka fan. Absolutely love the guy. But yeah, look, I do think um, maybe his role in the side is more important than it should be. Now, he is an amazing player, but my feeling is, you know, a guy like that is that good, possibly also because the guys around him aren't that great. So, again, look, uh, maybe you have to sacrifice a guy like that to improve everything else around him. So, suddenly that one position becomes less important. But, yeah, look, you know, we, we've kind of, we've been through it. Um, so, we move on and maybe we we'll, uh, we won't spend too too much longer Um We'll we'll bring it back around to the the game itself. Now, I'm sorry, I have an awful habit of go off on a tangent, and, and we we kind of detract from the the game itself. But look, we we still do have the game on Saturday. Uh, Dave, I'm going to go to you on this one. What way are you expecting to see us line out? You know, give us a give us a a feeling on who you think is going to make the starting lineup. What what way are we going to play? And uh, any any tips for Ateta on the best way to break Liverpool down? Because you know he listens to this. Oh yeah, absolutely. So Mikkel, if you're listening, big hello and, and hope all as well. But uh, no, um, my prediction for the starting eleven is, I think it'd be Leno on goals. I can I I can see Bellerin, David Luiz, um, Gabriel, Tierney in the back four. I think it'll be Partey and Shaka in midfield. I think it'll be Willian left wing, Odegaard number ten, uh, Pepe right wing, and. And like I said, up front, um, no, I know I think, uh, Dave, I, th- I think William may be out. We're not 100%. No, I just, I'd Thank seen God. that he, he's party, questionable. Party, he's questionable, no. But, but, that, but saying that, that could be Arteta's way of, of saying, right, I don't want Liverpool to get too excited thinking he's not playing because for some maybe, reason. Maybe, maybe, no. <laughs> yeah, th- th- there's been worse tactics and, and, and mind games than that anyway, that's for sure. But, uh, but no, look, I, I suppose as bad as it is, hopefully he is out. And I think it'll probably be Aubameyang on the wing then at that stage. I don't, there's no one else I can see that could play a left wing, I suppose, if... Um, with Smith Rowe, I don't think Smith Rowe will make it, and then Saka's probably not going to make it either. So we do have to look at it as well with the game against Slavia Prague coming up Thursday night as well. What's yeah. more realistic at the moment? Look, Niall will probably say the same from a Liverpool point of view as well. Is they have the Champions League game coming up against Real Madrid? So look, that that will be taken into account, and that will become a factor as well, I'm sure, in, in team selection. But um, I suppose. As funny as it is, and we say Trent is the point point to prove, it is defensively where you can get at Trent. I think down that side, maybe if you have a Bamiang in the wing, he, he he's shown kind of that he can get goals from that wing in the big games and that. So maybe you you exploit kind of the space that Trent leaving behind. It's going to be young young um, defensive partnership. You'd imagine it to be Nat Phillips and Quebec. Klopp seems to have kind of realised now at this stage, I'll play my midfielders, let Fabinho shield the defence and then we'll have the two kids in their half. So that that's, um, I, I can't imagine him moving away from that as uh, they got the two results before the international break as well. So I think he'll stay with that. So I think, yeah, between the, between the right side and then the two centre halves, that's kind of where you get at Liverpool. But what I want to see, Ant, is us actually to go out and take the game to Liverpool play the football that we want to play and have a go we played Liverpool before and we were defensive we kind of set off and 
we allowed Liverpool to dominate the, the play and dominate the ball. Look, Liverpool were in a better place then. So I suppose it might be a little bit easier to go out and get at Liverpool now. But I think we can't always play this tactic when we go into the big games. Now we have to let the team evolve as well. So I'd like to see us go out kind of do have the homework done on the training ground and then try and exploit things like that and then play the football. Don't be afraid to play it out from the back. Get it down and, and, and do the thing right. And then, look, I think Lacazette could be key as well. You know, he'll have experience with the two, between the two centre halves. Funny enough, I think Lacazette has five appearances, three goals, and I think could be two assists against Liverpool. So it's funny that when you look at kind of against, we were saying the same before the Spurs game, Lacazette seems to have the good record against these teams. He, I think maybe he's all the focus on Aubameyang and then Lacazette seems to be popping up with the goal as well, you know. Um, look, it's, it's another chance for Pepe as well. We, he's been in form kind of when he has played, so up against Robertson as well. Pepe did his, his game against uh, Anfield last year. He, I thought he had a good game at Anfield last year. He gave Robertson enough of it that day, so hopefully we might see that again. But, um, yeah, look, as I say again, just I'd like to kind of see a starting eleven that we like. Again, I won't. I don't want to see Bellerin play, and I'd rather see Cedric in there. I think he's better between him and that. I'd like to see... Mary and Gabriel together. I know there's the whole left the left footer thing, but I don't get that end as well as why can two right footers play together but not two left footers? It's it, it, it's kind of a, a weird one for me. I think Campbell and Tori want to both of those right footed, so I'm not too sure um, why two left footers can't play together. But um, yeah, look as I say, just to sum it up, I, I want us to get the ball down and get at Liverpool and have a go, you know, we don't we don't need to be so defensive, I don't think with with the team Liverpool might put out. So look, no, I want I want us to get it down and have a go. Yeah, I agree with you. Um and just for Clinton Oil, I will I'll just stick with Arsenal. We got the Souls next. Um Souls, we're expecting big things out of the captain Aubameyang with that uh, fairly risky new haircut he's got. As I, I'm telling you the, the guy, he's not been doing himself an awful lot of favours with his performances on the pitch. He goes out and, look, whatever you do in your personal life is your personal life. But does he need to be bringing a bit more heat on himself with, with, with that hairstyle now? Like, this is just more ammunition for people to throw at him. But uh, what do you think? Is it time to leave him on the bench um, in case he messes up that lovely new hairstyle and go with Martinelli? Or, or what are you thinking? So, you know what? <sighs> It's an interesting one because I don't think he's actually going to play. Personally, I think he's going to be benched for this game and I think Martinelli's going to be introduced. I've got a very good feeling of him being started in this game just simply from the training videos, from everything that's being said about him as well. I feel like with the international break and a lot of our wingers being out, um, Pepe, Saka, William being doubtful and then Martinelli being, depending on where, we, where we're looking to play him. And I think obviously with the sort of Trent's... Um, defensive capabilities aren't that great. Someone like him to go in behind and kind of just keep pressing on him and causing him all sorts to keep him staying back rather than actually trying to attack will be something that's crucial. Obviously, they have got Fabino back. So obviously, that would be quite interesting to see how he develops and plays into that midfield now. Um, for me, Jacques is going to be crucial. And I know that sounds funny for a lot of people to hear that, but Jacques is going to be very, very key to how we play because if we look at um, Liverpool's... Um, right-hand side attackingly. They've got Trent on the overlap with Salah coming inside as an inside forward. Xhaka drops into that position when Taney goes forward to come, um, to add a bit of defensive um, 
positioning and he's he's going to be one of the reasons why they're not going to be able to find as much space in behind like what Jordan Henderson does for Trent when he bombs forward um, is similar how we deploy Shaka in our system so he's going to be very key to how we kind of um, how we're going to play which is which is going to be ironic for a lot of us they're not going to accept that but it's the truth what Shaka does really well is that element there's not a lot of players in world football who can be trusted to do that kind of job and actually be very well at doing it yeah it's kind of is my predict- i've got a very good feeling martinelli's going to start this game um but i do think Aubameyang has to be benched for the for the reasons because i feel like the system ticks better with Lacazette in the middle um than it does with um, you know, Aubameyang being anywhere in this team at the moment. I feel like he will be rested for the game against Slavia Prague. I feel like that's where they're going to bring him in. Um, just to kind of, because of his sort of stature and uh, prowess within the European competitions. And he has actually been all right in Europa League, to be fair to him. Um, obviously, we do have to look at Thursday. I know Arteta's press conference is saying all we're focusing on is Liverpool. I feel like Pepe will play in this game. I feel... Um, his sort of ability to kind of be the unknown. Anything can happen at any moment. Um, he's one of those moments players. Uh, he doesn't have a good 90 minutes, but in, in, in spells of the game, he could do a lot. Even if you look at the penalty win that he, the ball that he played through to Lacazette for the penalty win was brilliant. You know, even when you look at the assist he had against West Ham for the third goal, brilliant. We've been seeing these sort of instinctive passes from him. And then obviously we're going to have, you know, the young up and coming Maestro, you know, in um, in Odegaard playing in that middle. So I do, I do think. Look, you know, it's, it's this is the weird. This is the most quietly confident I've been against Liverpool, just because of their injuries. I'd be more scared if they had their full team. To be honest with you, of course you would be because they are Premier League champions for a reason. But because they got Kabaka and it's looking like Nat Phillips, it could even be Fabinho actually coming into that back line. We, simply do not know the season who that centre back is going to be. But obviously the, the, the sort of the definites are going to be Trent, Robertson, Mane, Salah. They're like the definites. Obviously Jota's back. So we might even actually see Jota in that Liverpool team, which even further tells me why David Luiz and Gabriel actually have to play this game. I don't I don't really for me, I don't want to be swapping the partnership. I said this to you, Anthony. I want Mari holding to play if they ever play, and I want Gabriel Davalus to play. I want that to be the rotation. I don't want to be seeing centre backs swapping for centre backs. That's not the way it works. It just doesn't work. It's never worked. Um, I think Niall, obviously, when he gets his opportunity to talk, he'll tell you all about this. When you keep swapping a centre back, yeah, it, it, it does mess up a lot of the rhythm. But if you swap them both for a partnership, it works. It's like when Jacka and Partey. When they play together, they have a good understanding now, especially. They've got a good... They know... Xhaka knows that his party's going to be. Party knows where Xhaka's going to be. And they can rely on each other, like, telepathically, because they, they, they're in the rhythm. And I feel like not too much is going to change. But I do think Bellerin's going to be rested for Europa League. And I know a lot of people... Because that's how I'm seeing the pattern. And I feel like Callum Cafu is going to come in for this game. You know, he's going to be crucial again. Yes, I said it. It's Callum Cafu. I don't care, lads. Come at me. But yeah, no, I think Callum Chambers is going to be... I don't know because Cedric was good. He had a great assist in in the Portugal game. Uh, I can't remember who they played now, but it was a brilliant assist that he fought in as well. Was that Serbia, that one? I I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been. It It would have been. And then um, 
So I, I don't know. He'll, he'll have a few nice assists when they play Ireland as well. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's played a bit of international football, which kind of makes me think he might be rested. Um, so yeah, um, <laughs> so yeah, no, that's that's what I'm thinking. Um, I, I'm guessing we'll do score predictions later. So um, yeah. that that's what I've got to say. I do. You know what? In terms of the approach, I do think it's going to be one of those weird approaches that I think people are going to disagree with, but it's going to be effective in a sense of we're going to play the sort of ten to fifteen minutes where we're going to be very sort of cautious, kind of play the passes out the back, allow. We're going to allow that to happen, but you know what's going to actually end up happening? We're going to press on them to press them into a mistake like we did last year at the end of the season where Reese Nelson pressed on Van Dyke to commit him into a mistake and we went through and scored. I feel like that's what's going to happen, especially with the inexperience in Quebec and Nat Phillips. It's going to happen even more with the likes of Lacazette, hence why I bought Martinelli in. Uh, and I think Martin Odegaard's really good at doing that. The only player who's not going to do that is Pepe. Uh, even though he's gotten better right here, he's just a bit uh, at times with it. But but yeah, no, I think we're going to press them into making a mistake rather than the other way around. It's just they like to hold a high line, hence why I want a pacey backline with Lacazette and Odegaard dictating play in the attacking areas. Hence why I want David Luiz to play because his over-the-top balls are going to be crucial as well. Um so yeah, I th- I I think I think this is where we can actually beat them and actually go in confident. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, look, uh, we go over to Niall now. Niall, uh, where do you see? First of all, what way do you see Klopp approaching this? Uh, you can give us a kind of a predicted line of who you're expecting to see. Are, are you expecting to see any? Maybe changes, um, you know, sometimes when managers have an opportunity to work with the players who aren't on, on international duty, maybe he might have had an opportunity to see something that, that he wouldn't have seen with, with the, the international players there. So what way are you expecting um, Liverpool to go at Arsenal? And, and what weaknesses do you see in this Arsenal side? And you could be here for a while with that question, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you'll go with it. The tried and trusted that he has there at the moment with you know Allison, Quebec, Nat Phillips, Trent, Robbo, you know, sitting in front will be Fabinho. There's no way he's going to drop Fabinho back into defense unless it was an absolute injury crisis again, you know. Um, I think he'll go with Winaldum and Thiago in the middle, um, and he could potentially later on introduce Curtis and maybe Keita if needed, you know. Um, I think it'll be Mane and Salah as always and I think up the middle it's definitely Jota I mean if you look at how he's played even on the international break talking about a guy who's banging form I mean you couldn't possibly bring him back after that international period and put him on the bench um, and I think I think Jota in this match is going to be absolutely key because I could see him having the potential to absolutely antagonise David Luiz Um and that's where I would see being a, a key area for us. In terms of Trent and his weaknesses in defence, I think he's after forming a bit of a partnership there with Nat Phillips. Um, and I think Nat is starting to understand how he needs to cover for him at times when he doesn't get back in those defensive roles and has done a good job on it. Um, I don't see Arteta benching Aubameyang again. I think, to me, that's, that's another... You know, that's a huge risk to go to that well again. I know he did it already and he got away with it, but I think if you were to bench Aubameyang and it was to go wrong, I, I think the backlash would be just intense. You know what I mean? I just don't think it would be acceptable in the Arsenal fan base, you know? Um, you know, I'm interested to look as well. Chambers is a good one as well. There's a good shout there, especially with Mane out there. Um 
that that should be an interesting matchup. And also, I, I'm intrigued to look at not only uh, Tierney against um, uh, Robinson, but I'm interested to look at Tierney against Salah. I alluded to it earlier. You know what I mean? It's you're going to need that kind of strong bit of pace there. You know, the damp down Salah who drifts out there an awful lot these days. Um, hence the reason. I think we might look at a different style this time. I don't think we'll be launching as many balls into the box from the wide positions. I think we might try to play through the middle. Um, I'm intrigued to see what Thiago might do against Xhaka. Um, I mean, those boys are the kings of the, the bookings on the cards, aren't they? So it could be a real battle in there. Um, and, you know, Wijnaldum, Genie is just Mr. Consistent. You know, he just shows up and he gives you that 7 and 8 out of 10 week in, week out generally, you know. Um a little bit of concern in terms of Quebec, um, especially with Lacazette because he's he, Lacazette's such a little beast. He's a little monster in there, you know what I mean? And he just knows exactly what to do and yet so skillful, you know? Um, but it, it's really a case. I, I, I think um, Arsenal might struggle somewhat if, if Partey and Pepe don't show up. Um, I think they're vital to it as well. Um and you've seen in some of your farm games there, when Pepe shows up, he's absolutely world-class. You know, he's, he's he's unplayable. You know what I mean? Partey, I think he's still trying to find his form. I think he's, he's been unsettled. He's had injuries. He's been in and out. Um, so you haven't really seen the true player yet. But, you know, again, world-class player who could show up on the day. Um, but an intriguing contest. And it, it's, um, it's a contest that I think both teams really have to go for it because a draw in this contest is no good to anyone. Um, it's a real three-pointer that... Um, you know, from our point of view, Liverpool, every game from now to the end of the season is like a cup final. Um, so we we have to go for it, you know what I mean? It's um, Otherwise, like if we were to lose on Saturday now or even draw, then we really are. Our last chance really is the Champions League. And with the teams that are left in there and with the injuries that we faced, and I know we went to Istanbul and pulled off the miracle, but again, did they happen twice in a lifetime? Who knows, you know? So, But I just think... We would have to go for him. We'd have to go for the win. And on the run of form that we were in prior to the international um, break, I think we have. Um, I think we have a real good chance of performing there this time. You know. Just before we get a, a score prediction off you, Noel, what what do you reckon? Do you think Liverpool will get top four? Um, I I think if we do get top four, it's not going to be because of the run that we go on. But it's going to be more in terms of if the Leicesters or the West Hams of this world fall out of that position. You know what I mean? That's what we're really going to need to happen. Um, and I, I think I think there's still a slight chance. But I think, to be honest with you, if we were to achieve top four this year, it, it would nearly be the equivalent of us winning with what we've had to face um, and what we've had to endure. So, yeah, I, I think it's still possible. Um, but I, I wouldn't be putting my mortgage on it. Yeah, but yeah, the funny thing course. is, and is if, if we if we win on on Saturday night, we're actually only a pint behind Liverpool. So it just yeah. goes to show kind of the way the table is, you know. And you know what, Arsenal being Arsenal, like I've said this plenty of times before, they'll give us a result. Now. I'm not saying it might not be the one the weekend, but at the same time, Arsenal being Arsenal, they'll give us the result that gets us dreaming again, and we're sort of going okay, actually, this might be on here, and then we'll go and draw the next game, and then we're back to fucking square one again. But, uh, yeah, Niall, give us, a, give us a score prediction there. What way do you see this one going? I'm going to go for a 3-2 Liverpool win. 
and I'm going to go with the win and goal coming from the penalty spot with a moment of madness from David Luiz. That that's definitely not the first time that's been predicted by uh, by a rival fan. It, 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 nearly everybody pinpoints David Luiz as the man. <laughs> nearly everybody. It's quite common. Um, so, Dave, what what do you think? Do you want? I I don't know. Do I will will I go with my head or my heart? Then do you pick? Look, you just you be honest. Just go. What you're feeling? We will still uh, we'll still be friends. Uh, look, I I think with, with Liverpool picking up the form, I I suppose a draw, maybe one, maybe one all draw. I I I don't know. I I, I want to say we we can win, but and look, I probably should, but you know, it, it's always at the end of the day. And look, Liverpool are a good side and everything like that. I I I'll sit I'll sit in the fence and go on a draw, just not to be to be too um, negative. So one all draw. Yeah, you, you read my mind. Um, I was thinking of one all draw, uh, partially because like that, me, me inner pessimist being an Arsenal fan. Uh, and I, look, I, I don't know if it's being pessimistic, you know, predicting a draw against you know the the league champions. Uh, okay, given the form that they've been on this season, whatever. But uh, yeah, I just think look, taking into account the international break. Um, yeah, I think we, I think getting a draw. It's not going to be a good result for us because we need more. We really do. But it, yeah, I, I could see it maybe being a draw. I, I can. Um, Souls, I know you're not going to agree. What are you thinking? No, 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 no. It's not a Guna Souls prediction without a bit of, you know, optimism. <laughs> nah, do you know, do you know what, right? I'm going to be honest, yeah. With the amount of stick my man's got, yeah, Aubameyang, my brother, yeah, calling him the B-Tech Travis Scott, the Tesco's version of Travis Scott. Man's going to go sicko mode on all of you, yeah. Man's going to put Nat Phillips in a split, fam. He's going to turn the man around, yeah. I don't think he's going to start, but if he does, I'm telling you now, lads, yeah, Liverpool, mate, you better, you better just get your bunkers and your caves ready because my man's going to score the hat-trick. He's going to beat you, man, down, fam. He's going to see everything on Twitter, take that into motivation, that anger into this game, and be like, you know what, man? A man's going to do his thing in it. And I genuinely, genuinely do agree with that. I think it's going to be 3 2 with a Bamiyang scoring the winner. And nice, you know how it's going to nice. happen? You know how it's going to happen, right? Classic Thierry on restyle. He's going to cut in from the left. He's going to cut past Nat Phillips. Yeah, put him in a spliff and out of the game, fam. Take him <laughs> out right into the top bins, mate. That is going to happen in this game. I'm not joking. But another thing uh, as I, well I, is <laughs> Arteta has a good record against Clap as well, you know. Mm. You know what? This is one um, that that's one that that sort of it's a bit of cause for debate, isn't it? Because uh, I think like the Liverpool fans, they say, "Ah, well, one was only a penalty <laughs> shootout, you know," and then the other one was when there was nothing to play for. And I, I can I can see I can see the argument, but. Technically, he has got a good record, no matter what way you want to look at it. <laughs> here, 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 I, here I am grasping. This is me grasping. Yeah, the, you know? <laughs> um, yeah 
I don't know. Souls, I love it. I love when people come on to do predictions and they call goals. That's what I want to say. I don't I don't like that pessimism, those draws <laughs> and stuff like that. Get in there. Lots of goals. I was gonna say Obama Yang probably side for flick the ball over Trent a la Henry with Dennis Irwin and volley it into the far Ooh, corner or something. Man, I'm like telling that. you, bro, it's gonna bring back <laughs> memories, mate. I'm telling you, Thierry Henry finesse shot into the top bins, lads. I'm telling you. <laughs> love hey, it. Especially 20 minutes ago, Souls, when you were you were talking about him being benched. So I like to say oh. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm just saying who I would play personally, but man's got stick in it. So I think Arteta's <laughs> going to put him in and go to him, lads. He's, they're calling you Travis Scott. Go sickle on them, like Go sickle mode, you know. Big up Travis. And he's going to do it, mate. I'm telling you. He's going he's gonna to tell all the Liverpool fans, yeah, sit down, lads. Where's this confidence come from? I'm still a bammy yang. I'm still a bama blood clot yang. Yeah, I ain't got nowhere, lads. He's gonna pick up his form from here. We're gonna make a run for the for, for top six, top four, and that's what's gonna happen. I'm telling you, we're gonna win. I don't care what happens, how we win it, but we are gonna win with an Aubameyang goal. You better, uh, you, you better play that. It, you better oh, play man, that I don't Egyptian. hide. I don't hide. I tell you that I'll be on social media. Come, I'm not hiding. I'm telling you, Aubameyang is scoring the winner. Whether it's a two-one, one-nil, two-one, five-four, ten-nine, Aubameyang is getting that final goal. I'm telling you, it's positive. Especially with Salah sniffing around that golden boot. Oh, what if the Egyptian king shows up? Oh no, he's gonna look at Aubameyang and be like, ah, big mistake. I better go home. Yeah, yeah that, that's what I worry about. David Luiz and uh, Mo Salah and uh, the whole penalty thing surrounding both of them. That, that's definitely a concern for me, definitely. The thing is with Luiz, though, and is what I find is it's against the better teams. It's because He's not allowed to switch off, you see. It's yeah. when he's playing against the lesser teams and you have the ball, the monkey starts banging the drum in, inside in his head, you know. It's yeah. It's it's when he when he's playing in the in the bigger games, you know, and, and he always has to be tuned on and he's kind of aware of that job and there's players kind of moving around him and, you know, that kind of thing. It keeps him switched on. He's better games than that. I fully trust him against United every time he plays because, you know, with the way their front line is, you know, he's always going to be switched on and aware. It's kind of the more skillful the player is, is the better David Luiz is, is against that player, you know, so... I I I faith in him as well. Look, he he's had a good season as well. I know there is always the the scenario of he does go walkabouts every now and again. But this season, I can't remember any big mistakes out of him this season. So hopefully, it might continue again on Saturday. So yeah, you're, you're know, thinking, Dave, take Jota out of the team and bring in Origi, yeah? The less skillful <laughs> player, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I hope Klopp is listening too. Klopp listening as well, Dave. Oh, that's it, and uh, yeah, we we know Jurgen Klopp is a, a big friend of uh, of the show. Um, he's a, he's a diehard Arsenal fan. He just doesn't. No, want no, to Jurgen, you just gotta play Shakhtar, Salah, Mane. You gotta play Curtis Jones. You gotta play um, Thiago. Yeah, you just gotta keep doing all of that, mate. <laughs> you know what, lads? I, I probably should have started the show like this and got the got the bit of a uh, little bit of banter going at the very beginning, rather than at the very end. We should have. Uh, I'm, I'm too nice sometimes, you know. Too nice. Uh, I, I should really be. It gets. Really it gets. Pro- it, it gets there eventually. It The hats go on then at the end. Right? That's it. When it comes to predictions, anyway. Yeah, well, look, that's it. I know, look, but uh, no, it's been absolutely brilliant, Dave. And just before we wrap it up, um, again, look, we uh, we did a little uh, Rocky Road Castle tribute at the beginning. 
there's just one more just want to throw up there again just uh, a little tribute to uh to claude uh best known for his appearances on uh AFTV and that uh, look i'm not claiming I mean, that is me in the picture with Lee Judges and, and Claude. Uh, I'm not claiming to have been a friend or or new personally or anything like that. That was literally a picture that was taken. Uh, the Arsenal-Chelsea game in Dublin in the Aviva. I walked into uh, a place called the Grand Social and a lot of the crew were in there. Of course, I approached the, the two lads and they were absolute gents uh more than happy to uh, oblige and take a picture and as you can see claude there all smiles actually grabbed me he's like oh come on like you know he was he was more than happy to oblige take a picture so um again look in my opinion my personal experience um uh, nothing but a nice bloke um so it's yeah really really sad to to see his, his passing this week so uh there's talk of, of Arsenal hopefully doing something, so it, it would be nice to see. So uh, again, just like just just a little tribute to uh, to Claude. He he will be missed. Um, yeah, but look, lads, we're uh, we're about to wrap it up there. Uh, just before we do that, um, yeah, good amount of viewers here tonight uh, in stages, um, and like that, a lot of love for Noel, especially at the start of the show, which is which is brilliant to see. Because look, as I said. Um, we may be rivals, but look, we're uh, we're we're all uh, we're all decent enough. Do you know what I mean? It's not going to be. It, it's very rare. I think this is going to be one of these channels where it really gets gets overheated. Unless we get a couple of mouthy Spurs fans on, like we had in the past. So uh, yeah, we, we we keep uh, we keep it as civil as we can until we get to the score predictions. It gets a little bit out of control. Not nothing too bad. But uh, it's been absolutely brilliant. So big shout out to to each and every one of you on the panel. It, it's been brilliant as always. Big shout out to uh, everybody that that has tuned in and will tune in once this is uh, once it's up on, on YouTube available to watch. Also, uh, as always, it's available on Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, plenty of other places. So uh, please do uh, do check it out. Continue, you know, hitting that like button, hit the subscribe button, and as I always say, look at the ticker going down below. You can see the panel. That is their details. Do get in touch. You know, give them a follow. Really, really cool, guys. So uh, a big, massive thanks to everyone, as always, for the support. So just before I let you go, lads, I'm just going to give you an opportunity just to shout yourself out, let the people know where they can find your content. So, Souls, let's start with yourself. Well, firstly, you will not see me in a cave because I'll be high and proud. Yeah, letting you guys know we just beat Liverpool. Don't worry about that one. That is definitely... I've got all my tweets lined up. That ain't going to change because the boys ain't going to let me down this time. Yeah. Um, you can find me at Guna Souls at Leicester Bay Footy. Um, even if we lose, I ain't gonna hide from it because look, it's Liverpool. They're they're all right they're on their day. They can, yeah, it's Liverpool. What else can I say about them really? Uh, but no, no, now Anthony, man, you need to bring on worse guests so I can actually like you know go in. I can't go in them now, unfortunately, man. You know what, Noel? Myself and Souls, right? Myself and Souls have had this <laughs> problem in the past. It, it seems to be that every time I bring a rival fan on. They're just the most decent blokes ever. And, and you can't even no look, don't get me wrong, myself and souls are passionate or whatever, <laughs> but we're we're not okay, we're not over argumentative, blah blah but but everyone we, we seem to get on are just the the soundest guys you could possibly get. And and you you've also given us that issue where it's like you're you're so sound, <laughs> such a cool guy. That's like I, I didn't even I didn't even want to argue with you. You know, I, I don't think I could argue with you. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, the, the, the problem is this season neither of us are in a position to be arguing about anything yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's just you know what do we argue about <laughs> yeah that's actually in fairness that's actually part of the issue as well because i know we've yeah. had a had a leeds fan we've had benfica olympiacos we've had uh with the spurs and uh, we've had i had a couple of man united fans but uh to be honest they were they were uh family member so i couldn't i couldn't really go in too hard on them you know so that that's that's one of those moments don't yeah. let the league don't let the league table fool you boys exactly exactly but uh yeah so so sorry you just finish your, your shout out there sorry for interrupting you no no that was pretty much done yeah obviously uh this is my channel as well so do subscribe to republic of arsenal and uh gunasols and at leicester babes footy and obviously subscribe to the panel as well yeah, brilliant stuff. And uh, Dave, Dave is becoming a, a bit of a regular face here as well, Dave. So uh, as, as people who've listened in the past know that I do pay Dave in uh, installments of Guinness to keep coming back. <laughs> uh, I'm yet to see you, you crack one of those cans open on camera now, Dave, but uh, <laughs> hopefully you're getting the shipment anyway. Uh, oh, they're there already. It's just I haven't drank in the day. You see, I don't, I don't have time to be waiting. You know, so I, I, I'd have them gone before the podcast starts. No, thanks again for having me on. And look, I'm always, I always enjoy coming on. We have, we've good banter and all that. And the guests are always there, one. So I, I, I'm always glad to come on. The, the ad is there as follows. I don't know, Gunnar. Look, I do have my own YouTube channel. I haven't done anything too recent. You know, we've kind of been doing the guest appearances more so than anything so look follow me on twitter and, and do subscribe on youtube there will be there will be content coming out as obvious you know so it's just a matter of getting back around to it and look i even i'm i'm taking over this channel from solis as well so we could nearly call it the, the republic of gunner now so uh we take it from there and uh no just uh shout out to everyone in the chat as well and make sure you stick a like and subscribe on ant's channel as well you know so all, all support is definitely welcome on all fronts yeah 100 percent. and yeah like you said look uh, i'm starting to get a bit concerned now Your, yourself and souls uh could be could be teaming up on me here <laughs> I, I i think i might be getting the boot you know sometimes player power and all that and the old manager gets the sack I, i'm starting to get them vibes here lads <laughs> yeah, Kolasinac and Mustafi are at yeah. work, mate. Tell you now. Oh, here, no, I wouldn't go as far as to call you the Kolasinac and Mustafi of, of podcast, and that's a bit harsh now. That's no, no, a little you bit off harsh. Me, uh. Yeah, that side of us. Yeah, the and Mustafi for that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Niall, uh, as I said, look, uh, absolutely brilliant having you on, on the panel. Uh, really, really top man. Uh, very, very, very knowledgeable um liverpool fan so it's been uh, it's been brilliant so yeah look again uh big thanks for uh for coming on and uh definitely look holding your own and uh let the people know where where they can find your content because i know you do uh, a, a lot of uh, a lot of content on youtube as well so uh yeah do let people know yeah well it's it's the upper tier podcast is the football one and we're on youtube on the dynamo podcast network there's a whole selection of stuff up there the lads cover pro wrestling and metal music and nfl and lots of retro time and lots of other stuff and um, we're part of that and um, we're also on twitter and instagram and facebook the upper tier you'll find us there and um, i was gonna say dave if soul's uh, prediction comes true you gotta come on ecw sandman style with one of those guinness cans and start hopping it off the head and celebration <laughs> and everything and all man yeah i will i'll do stone cold steve austin you name it, I'll do it there you go the two cans that's that's what i want to hear that's what i want to hear yeah absolutely bang it out of the park yeah <laughs> 
Once we win, of course. <laughs> no, 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 no. When we win, obviously, we just... The formality is win. Saturday, 8 o'clock, and then we have to let that go first. Oh, yeah, I, I forgot Aubameyang scoring the winner. So when Aubameyang yeah, yeah. scores the winner, Niall, I'll be straight into your games. <laughs> That's it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, just big shout out there to Albert. Albert uh checking out the, the content. Thanks for the support. Uh unfortunately we're just about to wrap it up, Albert. So uh you'll you'll have to catch us on the replay. But yeah, yeah, look, as I said, everybody that uh Morris as well. A big shout out to Morris. Morris uh gave me the, the hook up today, a good friend of Noel. Uh, he said to me, look, I have a, a really, really good Liverpool fan. Be an uh, excellent addition to the panel. And look, he wasn't lying. So uh, I definitely, I owe you, I owe you one there for that one, Morris. So uh, big shout out, Gary. Big shout out to everybody. Uh, really appreciate the support. As I said, continue supporting me by supporting the panel as well. So uh, we leave it at that. Uh, Noel, I'm sorry, but I have to end it with, come on, you Gunners. <laughs> See you all later. <laughs> <laughs>